Dear Prudence. 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 Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Hello and welcome to another mini episode of Dear Prudence. I am your host, Daniel Mallory Ortberg, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. This week, my guest is Matt Martin, who recently launched Tilt, a new brand of public media by and for young people to help them navigate an out-of-balance economy. And now, here is our first letter. Let's move on to a lower level issue mm-hmm. the subject is is my loose acquaintance by the way it's not like loose in the old timey sense of like she's a loose sadly lady. <laughs> that would be remarkable she's fast Interest- she goes to jazz dances oh no but baby showers have been known to be a place where such people congregate that's true that's true a lot of a lot of loose ladies looking to uh meet men in baby showers okay is my you know someone with a loose acquaintanceship someone i don't know very well staging a baby shower quote gift grab uh grift Yes, of course. People throw baby showers to ask people for gifts is the answer to my that question. But anyway, so, dear Prudence, I've been in a book club for about two years with a woman who is nice enough, but I don't consider us at all close. I know her about as well as some semi-distant co-workers. She recently announced that she's pregnant. I congratulated her and asked the obligatory follow-up questions and considered that to be the end of things. However, yesterday I got an evite to her baby shower. While she's invited me to parties that she's hosted before, I was honestly pretty surprised that she included me for this. It seems a much more intimate type of gathering than the parties that she's thrown in the past. Part of me feels like it's a gift grab. I'm trying to figure out if I'm obligated to go or send a gift. I'm available the date of the shower, but since I don't know her very well, I don't feel inclined to attend. Moreover, in looking through the registry, none of the gifts are under $30. Should I suck it up and go? See if the people in my book club want to go in on a gift with me? Can I lie and say I already have plans that day? My money is somewhat tight, but I could swing it for a gift if need be. I've already showed my hand, obviously. Yeah, no, I'm right. So like, I, I mean, I think that's really kind of beside the point. I mean, you don't know this person that well, mm-hmm. and therefore it's really hard to tell where they're coming from about this. Maybe they just don't have a lot of friends who are kind of at this point. She doesn't have a lot of friends who are with her at this point in life, right? Where she's like, oh, who do I invite to my thing? Here's someone who's expressed interest about me having a baby. So I kind of feel like don't read too much into what it means on that side. Right. And you get to make your own decisions about how you handle this. That's how I, I think about yeah. it. It's not too big an obligation. It's not like a Cincinnati flim flam where she had a friend like drop something in front of you and then she picked your pocket. Like she thinks of you as a friendly acquaintance. She invited you to a baby shower. And wouldn't there be a bigger guest list if she really, if that was the purpose? Yeah. Yeah. And again, like people throw baby showers to ask for gifts. Yeah. So like Yes, they're all a bit of a grift. You're not a stranger on the street that she accosted. Um, of course you can say you can't go. You don't even have to lie and say that you have plans that day. Um, invitations, you're you're allowed to say no. Um, so just RSVP that you can't attend. Um, and then write a little note like, I won't be able to make it, but have a great time. Yeah. No one's going to follow well up. Well wishes. And, yeah, no one's going to say, why? What are you doing that day? Um, no one is going to interrogate you about that at all. I think... She probably just thinks of you as a friendly person she sees around a lot of the time um, and maybe has slightly different standards for who she would invite to a baby shower than you would. Don't go. You don't think that much about her. You don't have the money right now. Absolutely. You're totally fine not going. And you don't want to indicate something different. Yeah. yeah. But but don't worry that she's like 
about to start overstepping a lot of other boundaries or that she's like a scam artist. I I think it's just an invitation that you don't want to say yes to. And that's as deep as it gets. Agreed. Fantastic. Well, then we get to move on to something else that's I kind of went back and forth on this next one. I'm interested to hear what you think about it. Um, Oh, man. Yeah, you get to read it. I have too many friends in academia for this not to hit close to home. Subject, my PhD advisors keep writing me anti-letters of recommendation. Dear Prudence, I recently finished a PhD in a small field. In the closing year of my program, my two advisors made my life hell. They ignored me, insulted my intellect to my face and publicly, continually moved the goalposts, and delayed my defense by about a year, which cost me thousands of dollars in fees. I managed to defend, but then in job interviews, I was told that one of my advisors had written me a negative letter of recommendation after they had insisted on writing for me. I dropped that letter, but then at a recent rejection, I was told that my other advisor had called the committee to recommend against my candidacy. Moving forward, I'm making sure they have no knowledge of where I'm applying and I've removed their names from my CV. I've reported them to the university administration, but the response has been apathetic. I'm seeing a therapist, but I wonder what advice you have for moving past this. I'm afraid my career is shot, but I don't know if I can call them out in any way that isn't petulant. I also don't know how to go about warning their future students. They just took on two more. Any insight would be appreciated. Oh, man. This is what, I mean, this, now and then, those broken relationships happen. And these, and they're so important, right? This is so important professionally. Yeah. Right? Which become, which is your life. Yeah. And to have, to kind of, you're kind of joined at the hip of these people who you, at this point, hate. Yeah. Like, how could you not? Yeah. So I think your strategy of, you know, removing their names from your CV and, and making sure that they're not finding out where you're applying to, great. That's absolutely the right thing to do. Um, and I don't want to say I went back and forth in the sense that like, I I think there's a number of things that your advisors did where like, even if I were to assume that you were a very, very, like the work that you were doing was way off the mark. You weren't listening to any advice. Even if you were behaving as badly as a PhD candidate could behave, that would still not explain or justify what they were doing. Um, so I, I just think like, you know. If your defense was really bad and they kept moving the goalposts because they said this defense is not ready and you need more time because you're not incorporating the advice that we're giving you, um, that still wouldn't explain, you know, saying I I insist like going so far out of your way to say I must write for you, not just I'm like gonna torpedo you, right? Not just I have concerns, yeah. but I'll let other people make their own minds up. This like I have to follow you around like a mean shadow for the rest of your professional career. You know, yeah, I, I think it is fair to say that these people are out to get you. Well, because, of course, my first thought was like, oh, you know, there must be some kind of ethics around this, right? I mean, this isn't the first time this kind of situation where, like, someone writing a letter of recommendation has really undermined somebody. Right. But where it goes to this point where it's not just a one-time thing, it's not a two-time thing, it's like, oh, really continuing, like you say, to hound them. Um I mean, of course, the university administration. I was wondering also in this small field, is there anyone else to talk to? Is there yeah. that because that's that is part of what I thought of was just is there anyone to kind of get another read on this or to help be that recommendation that stands in for what they can't? Right. Um, because obviously, even if you drop all of that information from your CV, people are going to go, "Where is a letter from your advisor?" Right. Right. Yeah. I, that, I mean, that's the hard part, and it's both of them. So again, I just. I have so many other 
questions. And I, and I think, unfortunately, you know, when you say that you you worry that this isn't something that you're going to be able to move past, I think that's an act accurate fear. I don't want to say definitely you'll never be able to get any kind of a job in your field, but if both of your advisors feel this strongly against your qualifications or your candidacy um, and they want to make it their business, I think even if they never got in touch with any place that you were um, applying for ever again, if you weren't able to say, yes, you can ask my advisors questions about my work, that would be it would be really hard to imagine how potential future employers would say we're ready to move ahead with you. And I guess, but there's also the question there about kind of like how to bring it out into public what they've done or to warn off future students this Mm -hmm. idea, which, I mean, that those seem like dangerous career moves. Yeah. I just don't know how, to what extent you're willing to kiss off this field because if you say it's small and every, you know, the word gets around, which in like all, you know, generally how it is i don't know yeah yeah i think i'm glad that you're seeing a therapist i think at this point if you have any friends in even a only semi-related academic field maybe asking them like for their advice or or, or some perspective on this like in the sense of um are there like ethical norms about like what an advisor should do who has new doubts about a candidate so that i can get a sense of how far above and beyond they went beyond that um that might prove helpful. Again, it may also just make you feel more caught up in um, the ways in which they've wronged you. And mostly what I want for you is a job so that you can support yourself. Mm -hmm. And then like secondarily, a a sense of um, what you may or may not be able to do about this. But I think, um, yeah, you can ask for that advice. You can, I don't know if there's like like an ethical kind of review board for how to handle advisees that you can consult or turn to but you've reported them to the administration you've taken them off your cv you're seeing a therapist you're making the moves you can i think you're making the right moves and just the reason that it doesn't um feel good yet is because you know you're still kind of in the middle of it i i would be really careful about warning future students i i I, I, i'm so sorry to have to say that but i feel like my first priority and your first priority should be getting some sort of work and looking after yourself and not exposing yourself to potential um, uh, risk. And draw, and taking your limited energies and putting them into something that, yeah, I can understand the motivation, yeah. but it may not serve you. And who knows, it may not serve those people either. You know? Yeah, yeah. You'll have to hope that any future students of theirs um, either don't come under the same kind of like punishment rubric um, or are able to turn to others for help sooner in the process. Um, Or if they're not able to, that they're just, you know, they will have to find their own resources for, for dealing with these two advisors. And so I think hold in your back pocket, be available in the future. If, if you find the opportunity to, um, bring this up with someone else who has the power to reprimand or fire or, or um, admonish or, or something. Um, these two people be ready, but hold that in reserve because once you go public with something, you can't ungo public. Um, and if you're worried about them making you look unreasonable or petulant, don't give them any ammunition. Mm-hmm. I realize this is very cautious advice, but no, also this is like the, the, because it's this small world. Yeah. That you, and that 
for your career purposes, you may have to move one ring out, two rings out from it yeah. to a place where these people don't have as much influence. Yeah. And unfortunately, blowing it up, even in that small world, can make that harder. Yeah. And again, I'm just really, really sorry. I think um, the idea that they wouldn't at some point just either come out and say, we think this project has no merit. We think you either need to change it or work with someone else. Yeah. Like that would be painful, but at least it would feel like they're being honest with me. They're letting me know what they truly think. Um, and and I can make my own decisions instead to just say we want to be as obstructionist as possible. And then once you receive your degree, we want to make it more difficult for you to find work. Um, that's uh, really, really painful and really kind of the opposite of, of what you would want or hope from someone who advises you. And, and I just I understand why this feels lingering because it it's designed to linger. And good luck. I would love to hear from you. I hope that six months or a year from now, you have a fabulous job in a semi-related field. Um, and if you learn things about what actually is possible, because this, because just like you're not alone on this. Mm -hmm. I know people who end up in these kind of oppositional relationships with advisors, and then yeah, it becomes can drive you out of a profession. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, yeah. But I think focusing on the things that you can do, which is take care of yourself and and look for work where they don't have any um, influence, that is going to go a lot longer towards making you feel at a later date um, like okay. I've had time to reflect. I've been able to support myself. I can revisit whether or not I want to talk to other people about this from a position of strength and self-sufficiency rather than continually revisiting when you're still in the midst of the pain. That's our mini episode of Dear Prudence for this week. Our producer is Phil Circus. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. As always, if you want me to answer your question, call me and leave a message at 401-371-DEAR. That's 3327, and you might hear your answer on an episode of the show. You don't have to use your real name or location, and at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. Keep it short. 30 seconds, a minute tops. Thanks for listening. 